Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Steven Dorf, and alongside me is my co-host, Hershey Winkleman. Check us out on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. We are also on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. Uh, it's been a pretty eventful week in the NBA, Hirsch, since our last podcast. Uh, we're over halfway through the Summer League. And there have been two new rule changes implemented for the upcoming season, as well as a, a new in-season tournament that's been added to the regular season. But before we get into all that that we're going to cover in, in the second half of this episode, I want to you know start with the first three games of the Summer League for the Milwaukee Bucks, two and one. We've had some really impressive play from guys like Marjan Bochamp, Andre Jackson. Uh, Hirsch, where are your overall thoughts on where this team has is at in the summer league and you know how Adrian Griffin has coached thus far. Yeah, you know, I really like the fact that uh coach Griffin has decided to coach the summer league. I know a lot of times uh head coaches won't coach their summer league teams and will have, you know, some of the assistants be the head coaches, but I like, you know, the fact that he wants to get in there, wants to have experience with some of the young guys, wants to see what they're made of. And yeah, I mean, you mentioned Marshawn Bochamp in those first two games looked like a completely different player than we've seen in the past. Uh, him working out with Giannis in Greece seems to have boosted his confidence. And he, you know, he looks like a leader out there on the floor. He looks like he's matured. Um, and I like what I've seen out of the, out of the, uh, the two, the two rookies, Chris Livingston and uh, Andre Jackson Jr. Both have shown some good athleticism, some, some uh, defensive capability. And I know you're super high on the box adding like uh young uh wings so what are, what are your thoughts on kind of what you've seen so far yeah uh Andre Jackson has made some pretty incredible you know just like wild plays you know to put it uh in the first three games I mean he had that I think it was against the Nuggets where he had the uh, in the first game where he had the back-to-back like blocks I mean just stuff like that the way he moves on defense has just been really impressive uh his even his like court vision. I mean, it's something that we all kind of expected from him, but just seeing it in person in live action, you know, for in a Bucks uniform, whether it be a summer league one or not, it just, it's really all nice to see from him. And I think, uh, you know, we I put this out on our Twitter. I just, I, it doesn't make sense to me how like watching him play, how he fell to the second round of the draft. I mean, he is such a unique type of like basketball player. Like I understand the jump shot hasn't quite been there, but you know he's only taken two free throws a game, but he's made a thousand. Even he's he's a hundred percent on that. So again, small sample size, but you know what they say about free throw shooting, how it translates to actual shooting. And I think that he's young, and if he ever does, you know, find that jump shot, I mean, I think he could be a really really good player and an absolute steal. Uh, Chris Livingston has also been really cool too. I mean you know, athletic. He's had a lot of nice plays in transition as well with a lot of nice dunks to finish it. Uh, him again, the same deal as the jump shot isn't quite there with him as well. And I think that's something he's going to need to work on, but Buck signed him to, you know, a really big deal for the last for, you know, the Mr. Irrelevant pick last pick in the draft. Just exciting stuff from him. I think he's going to be a nice piece to this team's future. I'm really excited to see how it all meshes in you know the regular season when it counts and I'm excited to see you know where Andre Jackson, Chris Livingston, Marjan Bochamp fit. 
uh, into the Milwaukee Bucks rotation when, you know, guys like Giannis, Chris, and Drew are in there. But, uh, you know, those are, you know, the main three guys that I guess people are most excited about. But, you know, there have been some other guys that have had uh, some impressive performances. Nico Mannion, Jazion Gortman, uh, you know, Bucks need that backup point guard position to be filled, you know, so far they have one spot left. Do you think either of Gortman or Mannion could fill in that spot, Hirsch? Yeah, you know, I, I'm uh, really high on what I've seen from Jazion Gortman. I think the Bucks have already signed Lindell Wigington for the season or at least to a two-way contract. So he'll definitely be at least a part of the team uh, running some possible backup point guard to replace Javon Carter. But yeah, if we, uh, if we had, if we choose to go with one of the guys from the summer league team that isn't Lil Lindell Wigington, um, I would love to see Gortman. I think his twitchiness, his athleticism, his handle, and just his ability to just score, I think is super helpful. Um, but you know, Nico Mannion's a guy who's been in the NBA before, uh, went overseas. He, you know, he has the confidence. He has the experience of going against, you know, real uh professional players so i mean so yeah either one of them could be possible either one of them i wouldn't be angry about them you know bringing onto the team maybe signing them to a two-way deal or something like that um and i think either one of them could uh run some decent backup point guard i know the bucks are also uh possibly in talks with some of these veteran point guards on the market guys like john wall and isaiah thomas but yeah possibly going with the the route of you know the youth the youth movement on the bench. I think that could, that could be a, a plus for the team. I know you're also kind of uh, high on Drew Tammy and what you've seen from him. If you want to just talk about kind of, you know, if you think he fits on the roster and what your backup point guard thoughts are. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, with the backup point guard, I mean, as of right now, I mean, there was a quote from John Horst, right? He said, you know, something along the lines of where the bucks, you know, they have Giannis and they're pretty happy with where they're at. They have a lot of, you know, secondary ball handlers that they're comfortable with. So maybe the Bucks don't even, you know, go the route of starting the season off with a backup point guard and they solve that issue around trade deadline or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Gortman had that impressive first game against the Nuggets and Nico Mannion was pretty good in the first two games, struggled in uh, the Nets game. Most pretty much everyone struggled against the Nets in game three. But uh, yeah, I, Either way, I don't think it really matters if we sign either of them. I don't really see them, Gortman or Mannion, really, you know, getting meaningful minutes for this team next year, anyways, if they were to sign. Um, I think that the Bucs are realistically just going to fill that roster spot with Thanasis or someone else and just have, like, you know, another reserve option, uh, maybe another veteran who will take the minimum. But, uh, you said uh, Drew Timmy, uh, another guy I want to talk about, Tyler Cook. Tyler Cook has been really impressive in, you know, the limited, you know, minutes that he's played, shooting like, what, 75 or 76% from the field in 16 and a half minutes, giving us 10 points a game. I mean, he could be a really solid forward option. Uh, and then, yeah, Drew Timmy, uh, he's got really good footwork. I mean, he doesn't really, he's only played like seven minutes a game and Griffin doesn't seem to really give him minutes yet or want to give him minutes yet, but I don't know if he'll make the roster, but I think Drew Timmy could make a really make for a really good offensive, like stretch four in the NBA. I mean, he was a really good college player and you'd have to imagine some of that's going to translate to the actual NBA. So that's kind of where I'm at with those two. 
Uh, I mean, overall, just this Bucks summer league team has been pretty fun to watch. They've been impressive. First two games, they made, uh, you know, some comeback wins with some adjustments from Griffin on the defensive end. Uh, switching to a zone in, in Nuggets game in the second half really helped them catch their stride. Uh, how how is how is uh Adrian Griffin looked thus far in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think the resilience they showed in the first two games was really impressive. Um, coming back from uh, a double digit deficit in both games, uh, in the first half, I think is you know in, incredibly impressive, especially as a, a rookie head coach who you know this is his first chance getting to be with these guys. Um, and I, you know I'm really hoping that him being a part of the like like him coaching the summer league and him kind of grooming these guys into what they're going to be in the league. I think that how like I hope that helps him uh you know kind of kind of give these guys some more minutes cuz I know a lot of people were arguing that maybe Marjan should have gotten more minutes under coach Bud and he wasn't necessarily utilized in the proper way. I'm hoping that coach Griffin can see the potential that's oozing out of these young guys and actually utilize them in the regular season in meaningful minutes so that if we need them in the playoffs, like you mentioned, then they will be available and they won't get, you know, like the star, the low lights won't be too bright for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, Marjan, I want to wrap up with Marjan really quick. I mean, we saw like he struggled in his, I mean, really badly in the first half of game one of summer league against the nuggets. And then, came out in the second half and was absolutely excellent. I mean, he was excellent. He uh, finished the game with what, 23 points with like 50% from the field or over 50% from the field. I don't remember exactly, but I mean, that just shows that you can have a bad half with the guy and he, it doesn't bother him. He's confident. And I think that's the biggest thing is Adrian Griffin needs to instill confidence in these young guys. Uh, you know, him being a rookie head coach, he can kind of level with these younger guys and say, Hey, like I'm in your spot too. I'm in your situation. And like, you'll get your time, you'll get your chance. And, you know, hopefully they use this regular season as the, as an opportunity for these young guys to learn, because, you know, having Giannis on the roster will make us, you know, in theory, good, regardless of, you know, the guys surrounding Giannis, Chris, Drew and Brooke. I mean, we'll, we're a playoff team. And the past, if the past five years haven't shown you anything, it's shown you that anyone, if you make the playoffs, you're, you're a contender really at this point. So I think we really need to use this regular season. Adrian Griffin really needs to use this regular season to mold uh, Marjan, Andre Jackson, Chris Livingston, you know, just the younger guys with less experience just needs to really mold them into guys that we can rely on in the playoffs. Definitely. I, I completely agree. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and touch on some of the new rule changes and the uh, the new impl- implementation of the in-season tournament. And we're back on Bucks in six. Uh, the new rule changes have been uh, added to the to the upcoming season uh, by the commissioner's office. Uh, teams will be the first one we should go through is that teams will be assessed uh, a technical foul for flopping now. Uh, personally for me, I'm really happy about this. And I think a lot of NBA fans should be really happy about this. I think as of late and, you know, the last, you know, five or six seasons or so flopping has become a real issue, uh, in the game pretty consistently. And it, you know, you see it in the playoffs as well of people, you know, flying on the ground, especially, you know, there's like Marcus smart, who's like known for it. Like guys who are known for Draymond green, same thing. They're known for flopping and getting away with it. 
Um, so I'm personally really happy about this. I'm happy that, you know, there will be an in-game penalty for doing that sort of stuff. I think it should be out of the league. I think it can, uh, I think it can get people hurt and I, I just don't want it, you know, and I also think it helps Giannis because Giannis is, you know, charging through the lane a lot of the time. A lot of the time people are just falling down in front of him trying to get that offensive foul. So, you know, I think this could definitely help Giannis. I think this helps a lot of guys in the league offensively. And I think it's it was a really bad thing that was going on in the league. So I'm super happy they got they're at least trying to implement a way to get rid of it. But yeah, what are your thoughts on the uh the technical foul situation? Oh uh, yeah, in theory it's cool, but I mean let's just see if the NBA actually sticks with it and you know continues to or you know actually utilizes it to its full extent and I mean, makes it something where, you know, guys like, you know, you said Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, guys like that, just not flop. And again, take that, you know, narrative away from the league where guys can kind of just, you know, act and fall and then, ooh, it's a foul. And it's, it, I, I just hope they stick with it. Cause I remember what, two years ago, they, you know, with James Harden and the whole free throw, uh, you know, where guys trying to double clutch and not get the free throw. Uh, where they like jump into the shot, they they kind of went back from it. Like James Harden at first really really struggled. I just want to use him for a reference, but then he eventually got his free throw average back up because he found ways to you know get a loophole, and that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Is there's just no more loopholes for this because you know it seems pretty straightforward. You can't flop, but I don't know. Guys today just have found loopholes around a lot of these rules and just found ways to you know get by them. But in theory, I do think it's really cool. And if it works, it's going to be really, really good for the NBA. Definitely. I 100% agree with that. Uh, the second one that they are that they are implementing for the upcoming season, uh, and I think a lot of people were asking for this as well, but that uh, the coach will uh, get a second challenge if, they o- if and only if they win the first challenge. Um, to me, I think it's... I think it just makes sense. You know, I think if you challenge a play and you get it right, you should have the ability to challenge another one. Uh, But if you challenge it and lose it, you shouldn't be able to challenge another one. That just makes some logical sense to me, I guess. So, I mean, I'm happy about it. I I don't think this one is necessarily as important as the first one. Uh, Just for like... I I think I disagree with you, actually. I, I think that this one is something that, you know, will for sure like work and I don't like, I mean, I think one of the worst things about, you know, a close basketball game, especially in the playoffs is a a bad call determining the outcoming or the outcome of a game, you know? Yeah. So I think this is going to be really big and, you know, preventing that it's still going to happen. Of course, it's not going to fully stop it, but I think it's going to, you know, help slow it down just a bit being that if you challenge, if you make a challenge, and you get it right, you get that second challenge. Coaches are going to be more willing to use uh, a challenge if they're confident on a call because they're going to think, hey, I have a challenge I can use later in the game if I if it comes down to that. Uh, it's going to help, you know, get some of the star players out of foul trouble for, you know, if, if a coach decides to challenge. So I, I just think that this is something that it's going to be really effective right out of the gate, and it, it really can't get, like, thrown under the rug, I guess. Whereas like this flopping rule, like the, you know, jumping into the free throw or jumping into the foul rule kind of got the people found a loophole of that. I think that this is something that's going to stick and it's going to really help 
uh, bad ref referee calls at the end of the game. So that's kind of where I'm at with no, you. Definitely make you definitely make some good points. My my whole thing is that I think it's definitely going to put some more pressure on the coaches to make smart challenges because we've definitely seen a lot of the times where you know coaches will challenge something in the first quarter and you're like okay. So I think, you know, if like if, cha- if coaches are like going to be doing that, like and they lose their challenge in the first quarter, then the, the rule does is, doesn't even necessarily apply for the rest of the game. Well, I, but I think that's just I mean, that's just the coach making a bad challenge. I think that's kind of that. I don't think that really matters in this like case, but just because at the end of the day, it just really gives that coach that safety net. Right. Where it's all right. If I get my I have two challenges now, if I am get my first one right. And again, coaches will sometimes not use a challenge in games because they're like, I want to save it. So you mentioned a coach, you know, coaches using it in the first quarter. I think it's just going to allow coaches to confidently use that challenge if they know they're right in the first quarter and, you know, get their guys out of foul trouble. Cause why else would they use it in the first quarter? No, you definitely make some good points. I think overall though, I'm definitely pro both of the rules. I think they're both good for uh, the upcoming season. And I'm honestly very excited to see them. Uh, a new thing that is being implemented and, you know, is getting some scrutiny due to just the lack of incentive uh, is the new uh, NBA in-season tournament. It's going to be called the NBA Cup. Uh, it's a new tournament format that will take place during the regular season uh, with all the teams. Each team's going to have a series of games uh, that determines what eight teams advance to the knockout stages, which is like single elimination, kind of like the World Cup. Uh, and then there's going to be a final four on a neutral ground. Um, these will all be part of like the 80, 82 game schedule. Um, so, yeah, what are your I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think it could be cool, but I think there definitely should be some more incentive uh, at the end of it, if you win or if you even come in second, like a guaranteed playoff spot or possibly like an extra first round pick, I think either one of those could be, you know, a better incentive than just like a hundred thousand dollars to the winners or five hundred thousand dollars or whatever they have as the cash total to the players. Um, you know, I could still see a lot of teams load managing their stars through these through these uh playing or these uh, in-season tournament games just because, you know, it doesn't really necessarily matter to, you know, their championship run. Um, So, you know, I think it's, I think it could be like a good thought, but I don't necessarily know if they've implemented it the right way. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because I mean, when you look at something like, or if you look at like soccer leagues around the world, like let's just talk about the, the English premier league. They have the the FA Cup and what's the Carabao Cup? Is that, is that the other one? Yeah, yeah. so they have the, the, the two domestic cups. And then they also, you know, the, the best teams in the world will compete in Champions League. So, and you know, the FA Cup, Carabao Cup still I, I mean things to these. You know, they're really important. They mean a lot to these teams. They try and compete in them. And I think it's really just about being bought in. Obviously, you get a, you get a reward for winning them. But the, the players themselves, the teams themselves, the league itself is bought in to that. I think that's the big thing that they're trying to, you know, get out of this is that they can get like another sort of trophy for teams to, you know, get their guys to actually play more in the regular season. I think it's, it's interesting because a lot of people to stop load managing would just, you know, shorten the regular season. But when you think about it, guys can still just load manage if it's, I mean, if the difference is 65 games versus 
82. I don't know. I just think the solution, the, the, the solution to the problem is the players themselves just need to play. Obviously, if you have an injury, you have an injury and you can't play. But the only real solution to load management is the players themselves and the, like the teams themselves need to get their players to play. So I think this is an interesting idea if like the teams and the players themselves are bought into it. But if they're not and they just sit out through it, yeah, it's just a bunch of it's just more meaningless regular season basketball. That's kind of that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I, I think that maybe like an incentive, like a draft pick or, you know, some extra cap space for that, you know, upcoming uh, free agency window could be, you know, a, a good way to get teams to buy into it. But I, I want to see how it goes, you know, in this upcoming season before I really, really like make my you know judgment and opinions on it fully. But I'm excited. I think it's a cool concept. But I'm. I'm definitely interested to see how it works for sure. Yeah, me too. I mean, a lot of people when they implemented the play-in tournament were pretty upset about it. They weren't happy necessarily with, you know, four teams being able to compete for the last two playoff spots in each conference. They thought that, you know, that that doesn't or that takes away the meaning of being, you know, that eight seed, that seven seed that you worked your way throughout the season and you could lose to the 10 seed, but I mean, people now have started to adopt it. And now, now it seem now it just feels like it's a part of the league now, and that the play-in has just like been a part of the league for a while, just because of how you know smoothly it's become a part of the a part of the NBA calendar. So, I mean, I know, I know a lot of people again are having some scrutiny about you know are the players even going to try? Like, how is this going to work? But I mean, a lot of people were saying the same thing about the plan. So we, we'll see. I mean, it definitely could turn out to be, you know, interesting. It could be fun. You could see maybe some young players get some run in these, you know, NBA Cup games, which could be cool. Um, so, yeah, you know, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it, we'll see how it goes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much else to be said about it, really. It's just kind of a wait and see type of situation for this, you know, NBA Cup uh, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of just where I'm at. I'm, I'm excited to hear what, you know, you guys think about, you know, the two new rule changes as well as the NBA cup, let us know what you guys think, uh, and just what your opinions are on everything with, you know, the upcoming season with, you know, the Bucks summer league guys that have been impressive to you outside of just, you know, Marjan. So yeah, just let us know on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, really. Definitely. We love your feedback. Uh, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Box and Six podcast. Uh, make sure to leave a like, download, subscribe, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Box and Six FFSN and on uh, Facebook at Milwaukee Box FFSN. I'm Hershey Winkleman. He's Steven Dorf. And let's go, Bucks. <laughs>